Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome back to Listen with Leah. This is Leah speaking. Thank you for taking the time to be here today. I have a very interesting conversation that I want to be able to share with you all. I was lucky enough to get to talk with Dr. Shanita Williams last week about some of her work on feedback, specifically receiving critical feedback. Not only is she a brilliant woman, but similar to me, she was also a student athlete, and it was really interesting for me to get to talk to her and see how a lot of her athletic career through high school and college was kind of able to shape her career when she got out into the professional world. So I got a chance to pick her brain on a couple of her areas of expertise, and A lot of it that I took out was in terms of how I could be better equipped to receive feedback and to give feedback, and I hope that you all find it just as helpful and informative as I did. Without further ado, we're just going to jump right into the conversation with Shanita, so introducing to you guys Dr. Shanita Williams. Um, So maybe we can start a little bit talking about like some of your education, qualifications, maybe a little bit about your career history, and then kind of what it is that you do now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So for most of my career, I've worked in higher education. um, And primarily, I have been in administration where I'm focused on really welcoming employees to the organization. And when you do that, a big part of of the job is helping them get acclimated. And a big part of that process is giving them feedback. So, you know, I've been in a position where I've um, really tried to create conditions for employees to be their best. Um, And, you know, training and development um, mindset work is a big part of that. Um, And so I actually earned my undergraduate degree. Um, I'm originally from California. And so I went to Cal State University, Sacramento, um, on a track scholarship. I was actually Mm -hmm. a student athlete for the most most of my life. Um, And I think that's where I learned a lot of my foundational skills and the power of the mindset and, and how important it is to to really focus on the narrative that I told myself about my own abilities. So I carried that through my bachelor's, master's, and my doctoral program, uh, completing my doctorate about five years ago in education leadership, um, focused on curriculum and instruction, and really how can we be at our best in developing curriculum, but helping people learn um, the information as well. So my journey has been um, quite uh, diverse, um, but all of the experiences have been the same focused on creating conditions for people to be at their best so very nice and um so you kind of talked about how you help people get acclimated into a work environment and do that through feedback was there like anything specific um I know you also kind of mentioned like having to receive feedback and like working to be a student athlete anything specific that got you into kind of this whole like area of feedback and why you thought that was so important yeah You know, growing up, it's really interesting. You know, we, I realized early on, I would say as the student athlete, that what people said to me made a difference in Mm -hmm. how I felt, um, how I performed, and how I perceived myself. I wasn't really consciously aware of it. It was subconscious. I realized that if my coach was like, you've got this, my energy pop, you know, was really high. If uh, my teammates looked at me and said, oh, you're going to raise her my energy got a little low, that self-doubt came in. So I learned really early that what people say to me and what I say to myself did have an influence on the biology of how my whole like energy and mindset uh, played itself out. And um, and I do credit this to my, my athletic experience. When I got to my senior year, like you, mm-hmm. um, I was in some very uh, high stakes uh, competitions. Um, and 
you know, people would always tout the fact that they saw me talking to myself. And it was a fun thing that they kind of like poke at me because I knew the power of the mind really early. And so the days, the, the meets that I would show up and say, oh my goodness, I'm not going to, I'm not feeling on today. I didn't, I didn't perform well. But the days that I gave myself feedback and said, Shanita, you're ready for this. You've got this. You've practiced. This is about you. I performed so much better. I was able to be at my best. So as I walked into the workplace and transitioned from a student athlete to an employee, full-time employee, I realized it was the same. I had, you know, my coaches change from being coaches to managers mm-hmm. and managers would say, you're really good at this. And I get excited. Or they'd say, uh, we need to work on this. And my motivation would get low. So I pulled up on those experiences and realized that, you know what, feedback is really powerful. If uh, feedback from other people, but feedback you give yourself as well. And so it wasn't until I continued in my professional career um, that I realized that I wanted to name it because I feel like people had named it. You know, Mm -hmm. these were just private experiences we were having and no one named that it was feedback that um, I was saying to myself that either got me out of the rut or made me stay there. So um, in the workplace, um, I did have an experience that made me officially name it. Um, I was leading a very, very large team. Um, we had, you know, gone an organizational change, and I had a lot of new people who were reporting to me. And I wanted to show up as the best manager as possible. So I had surveys and different ways they could give me feedback. Um, I had my leader giving me feedback, and I had so many people uh, who had input on how I should move in this organizational change. But I'll be honest with you, um, I found myself one day sitting there, almost like, have you ever had those moments where you had like tears in your eyes? You didn't quite know why. Yeah. the, 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 The emotion just overtook me. And I remember sitting at my desk and trying to name it again. I was like, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like I'm worthless? Like I'm not doing a good job. Why do I feel like I'm not capable in this position? Where is this coming from? And I realized it was because I had so much feedback from so many people that I didn't even know myself. So I actually got up that moment and I went over to a colleague and I said, can you walk with me? And the person, you know, went with me and I said, you know what, here's how I'm feeling. And I just got it out. I started saying all the things that I felt And the individual said to me, Shanita, you are qualified for this job. Get out of your head. And I said, I have to name it. So that sparked my research into really understanding the feedback experience. And I realized that people didn't know how to handle it. We get feedback our whole lives, but no one's given us the opportunity to develop the skill to handle it. It's just suck it up. Here's feedback on your your paper. Here's feedback on your athletic performance. Here's Mm -hmm. feedback on your job. Here's feedback from your children. Here's feedback from your, you know, significant other. And no one knows what to do with it. And so I decided to, to lean into it a little bit more and name it and hopefully arm people with the power to use it in a way that helps them be their best um, and helps them reach their high potential and not you know, keep the cap on their potential, which I think feedback has the potential to do if we don't know how to use it. Yeah, I find it so interesting that you started like getting like into that at my age and how you're kind of doing your own sort of affirmations, which I feel like is something that's becoming more prevalent in society today is kind of 
these affirmations for yourself telling yourself what you can do and that's what you're kind of like applying into your training back when you were in high school which I think is really cool um and so looking into your work a little bit I saw some stuff about the strainer versus sponge mentality do you mind talking a little bit about what that is and kind of how that comes into play when receiving feedback yeah absolutely so I came up with that term because I realized that most of our lives were told be a sponge soak up everything around you take in all of the information but the reality is if you think about a sponge a sponge can only hold so much right a sponge is only designed to hold the mass that it is and when you try to oversaturate that sponge it gets a little messy and so for me i realized that i didn't want to be a sponge when it comes to feedback if i hold on to and absorb everything that everyone thinks feels believes or perceives me to be if those things aren't necessarily good i could be holding on to something that could weigh me down mm-hmm. and if you think about a sponge how often do people change their sponges in their kitchen right like you should be changing it out frequently If you were to keep a sponge in your kitchen sink for more than a month, right? Like a year, two years, three years, you that, I mean, it starts to erode. It develops uh, zillions of uh, bacteria, right? And you get sick if you kept using the same sponge over for years. And I realized that we were doing that in our lives. We are being a sponge and we're saying, hold on to everything people have said about you, good, bad, and different. And holding on to some toxic thoughts or pieces of feedback could erode, you know, erode us and and really create toxic thinking over time. So I thought that there has to be a better way. I shouldn't be holding on to the thing that someone said to me when I was five years old in kindergarten. And I remember what they said. I shouldn't be holding on to the failure that I made, you know, at my state championships. And I went from first to second place. I shouldn't, I shouldn't hold on to those feelings and keep replaying my failures. The sponge mentality is not effective. So I came up with an alternative, uh, the strainer mentality, where I feel like everything should come in, right? If you think about a strainer um, and you're cooking, everything goes in, but everything doesn't get to stay. And to me, it's a more intentional effort of really learning from the feedback, but letting some things go, which I think is, is something as a society we are struggling with. Uh, people hold are holding on to pain um, and you know, in, in our relationships, the trauma that really uh, holds many of us back because of what someone said to us and being able to work through that effectively and learn from it, I think is such a healthy practice so that you can liberate yourself and be able to shed some of that feedback and then move on. So for me, uh, that's kind of the difference between the two. It is not though about saying I get to pick and choose what I hold on to, but it's a more conscious effort of saying, hmm, what is this? What can I learn from it? And then discarding that experience after you take the learning. Yeah, so when it comes to kind of this strainer mentality, what sort of things do you decide that you should work on? What sort of feedback do you hear and say, okay, well, I can fix this, I can work on this. And how do you decide when maybe something that someone says to you is worth letting go and not wasting your energy on? Yeah, absolutely. So I came up with something called the, the strainer calculator. Um, and it's it's a SIFT acronym that I use to help me really think intentionally, especially if you have multiple feedback sources. Um, I think that's the issue. Sometimes we get overwhelmed because we get 
you know, feedback from our coach and our teacher and everyone around us. And then it's like, goodness, where do I even start? Mm -hmm. So with it, I look at four things. First, when I receive feedback, I look at the source, right? So um, I basically um, ascribe a number to it. Three being high importance, one being low importance. And so when I think about the source, if it is a trusted source that I have a relationship with, somebody that knows me and that I've had frequent interactions with, when they give me the feedback, I give it a three, right? Somebody who has that trusted relationship, I know their motive, we have um, an established background. If it's somebody that I just met for the first time, I saw them in the hall, they just met me, today's the first day, they're a one, right? It's still, you know, important to hear, mm-hmm. but as far as importance, that's where I rank it. The second thing that I think about is impact. And I try to think about how big of a deal is this? Is it, you know, you know, is it as impactful as, you know, Shanita, you know, I'm harming a relationship is what this person is telling me. Or if it's, oh, I would just change the color of the slide. That's a one to me. Changing the color of something and changing the title. Okay, that's a one. Mm-hmm. If it's impacting a relationship, if it's going to put a wedge between me and a potential future opportunity, I might say that's a high level impact. So again, taking that one to three level. The next thing I think about is the frequency. I think about, well, how often have I heard this, right? So this is the first time they said it to me. It's the second time they've said it to me. Is it the fifth time? Again, if it's just the first time I heard it, a one. If I've heard it three or more times, then it helps me understand that this is reoccurring. This is something that is really important to this individual, something I should prioritize. The last thing I do is look at really in that SIFT model are the trends. I start to think about, is this something that is happening in multiple areas of my life? If this feedback about me being, let's say, you know, you know, I have to work on my communication. Have I only heard that in one area of my life, just at work? Or has my husband said it, right? Has my aunts said it? Has my coaches said it? My instructors? If I hear this in multiple aspects of my life, that communication under stress is a difficult area for me, then I make that a three. If it's just in one area of my life, then it's a one, right? So I basically take this calculated formulaic approach to say, if it's if I'm scoring out of all of those, the total number is 12, right? If it's a 10 or higher, I might really want to think about putting a plan around it, right? If it's less than 10, I might be able to deprioritize it and say, yes, these things are important, but I'm going to focus here, mm-hmm. right? Um, because when you're working on 15 things at a time, that alone gets in your own mental way of feeling like you're not at, you know, you're inadequate. I had someone say to me yesterday, someone just gave me a long list of feedback and it's really difficult. I feel defeated. And when you have that much, thing, that many items identified, it's really difficult. So for you, you have to take control of it, use the calculator, and it helps you identify where to focus. Now, at the end of the day, you get to choose, right? You get to say, this is what I want to focus on and this is what I'm not. For me, if it's less than five, right, you do those point calculations and it's one, 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 one in all of those categories. Those are the things where you can say, now, why does that still bother me? Why am I still, even though these are all rated ones, you have to do the work too to uncover what trigger is this? If someone is just saying, change the cover of your, you know, change the color of the ti- of your title page and they've said it only one time, and they are someone you don't really respect, and it doesn't impact any other part of your life, why is it still bothering you? 
I think that's the part where you have to do the work and go, hmm, and you have to find out what's the trigger. Why does it bother me that they told me that? Um, is it because of the relationship with the person? Is it because it challenged my identity? Or is it because I just think their suggestions are completely off? So I think the calculator is a great start to helping you prioritize. But then you also have to do the work to look at, once I, once I prioritize it, what are the things that are causing me the most stress? And then do the work on those. Okay, wow. Um, and so I've definitely had people sometimes who have given me feedback that I definitely wanted to work on, but maybe the way they said it or the tone of voice that they used when approaching this situation automatically made me want to reject it, um, either because of the person it was coming from or the situation it was in or kind of the way I was approached. And so I think those can have a lot of impact on the person receiving feedback, even if the feedback is extremely valid. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts on kind of the best way to give someone feedback, how to approach the situation so they don't feel like they're being attacked, but you're also getting your point across clearly. Yeah, 100%. So you hit on something that I think is is something that we don't talk about a lot. It is the impact on the other person. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes when people give feedback, one of the things that I tell myself all the time is, Janita, uh, you're giving feedback, whatever I give feedback on is truly just a reflection of myself yes. because it's about, it's a reflection of what I care about. Right. And so I have to be very intentional about what I impose on other people as far as perspectives. So when it comes to preparing to give people feedback, my number one tip is to think about your intent. So your intent versus impact is important, right? To your point is, Hey, they may have intended to give me some great advice, but the, the way it landed, the impact, you know, didn't go so well. Mm -hmm. But I think it all starts with motivation. If someone's going to give somebody feedback, the first thing to ask yourself is why? Why is it important for you to tell them this? And what do you hope is going to come out of this? One of the things I talk to people about is the difference between constructive feedback and destructive feedback. Destructive feedback is about pointing out flaws, telling people where they failed, focus on the past. Really, I call it really throwing stones. Mm -hmm. Constructive feedback is about stepping stones, giving them information that's going to help them get better, help them grow. If you are preparing to give someone feedback, you need to pause and ask yourself, is this destructive or constructive? And if it is in the destructive category, you do not want to give that feedback because that is not going to help the other person. So pausing and thinking about intent, I think, is really critical. And with intent, I think about a few things. One, I, I think about, I always start off, like, what's in your mind? So you have to do the intent check with just your own thoughts. What do you believe about this person you're going to give feedback to? Because if you see them as someone who's incapable, um, someone who is, you know, uh, who does not have potential, if you already have a negative perception of this individual, to your point, whatever comes out of your mouth, is going to reflect that. So your words are a reflection of your thoughts. So you have to spend time thinking about, what do I even believe about this person? With my children, my husband, I always pause first and think about, what do I believe about them? I believe they're a great human being. I believe, right? I believe they can achieve anything they put their mind to. When you have that in your mind, before you give feedback to someone, it's gonna land much differently, mm -hmm. right? The other thing that I think about is our words. Some people just like to speak off the cuff. But before you go into giving that feedback, I say, check your mind. So check your thoughts, but check your mouth, right? 
what are the words you are going to say? Because words have power, right? They can build people up or they can break people down. So you have to be very intentional about the language because to your point, Leah, you don't want someone's defenses to be up or them not listen at all to what you have to say. You have to be able to use the language that creates the space where people want to listen. Um, and with that is the tone, absolutely, um, that you have to think about. And then the last thing I would say is people have to check their heart. So check your head, check your mouth, check your heart. Is your heart in the right place? Um, again, going back to that constructive versus destructive, if you are not there to build that person up, you have no right giving them feedback. Yeah. And I... so in some cases, I think you should just hold it. Mm -hmm. Feedback doesn't necessarily have to be shared all the time if it is not constructive. I definitely agree. Um, would you say how much of the responsibility is on the person giving the feedback and how much of the responsibility is on the person receiving the feedback in terms of is there any way for someone who's giving feedback to kind of maybe put it in terms of like a way that's easily acceptable for someone receiving it, even when that's feedback that they don't want to hear. I know I'm a captain in a couple sports that I play, and sometimes you just have people who do feel very like strong and confident in how they do things, even when you might have some more experience or older people maybe saying like, oh, we'll try doing it like this. How do you kind of reach those people who don't have that kind of strainer mentality or the mentality where they're willing to kind of... Uh, accept feedback that they don't necessarily want to hear? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I would say, <clears throat> again, it starts with the, the, the sender. So for me, one of the things that I think is really critical if you're going to get feedback is what I call ontological humility. That is the belief that there is more than one perspective of the truth. Yeah. If I go into a conversation with you and I'm saying to you, Leah, you know, if, if let's use a sports analogy, um, and I think, do you play soccer? Soccer and lacrosse. Soccer and lacrosse, right? So if I have, um, and I've, I've never played either, so that's hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> right? But if I come into it and I, and I think, hey, this might, this might help this individual, <clears throat> it's all about how we come into giving that feedback. So some people feel like they have to jump right in and say, hey, you should do it this way. Well, people are not going to listen to that, especially if you have someone to your point who is really set and confident about how they're doing things. But if you lead with a question, I think that is the best way to, to really open up dialogue with people and say, hey, I notice you do X, Y, Z. Tell me more about that. And they go, oh, yeah, I do this because da, 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 da. And I go, well, that's really interesting. Have you ever considered da, 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 da? And they go, I haven't. And you can, right, it, it, it is it isn't always about telling people mm -hmm. what they should do. I think it's about asking people what, what other options there are or asking people what their perspectives are. I found myself in many situations where I was convinced as the deliverer, I have to give someone some feedback. I can't believe this just happened. But I paused and I asked a question to say, hey, I noticed you sent out an email the other day. Um, can you tell me what motivated that? And the person told me a whole story I had no knowledge of. And so in that moment, I decided I wasn't going to give that person feedback because they had every right to send out that email based on their experience. So I think if we can lead with the question, seek to understand first versus trying to be understood, it puts us in a position to better uh, communicate maybe some of those opportunities 
with other individuals. And so put yourself in a space of humility of, you know, I'm not the expert. I just have a different perspective. When you do that, it lands a lot differently. And I think you reach those folks who feel like you're trying to change me. You're trying to tell me I'm wrong. No, I'm actually just trying to share a different perspective. I'd love to see what you think. Now, if your intent is to force someone to change, you're already in the wrong space. But if your your intent is to help them see another perspective or another option or avenue, possibility, then that feedback is going to be much better received. Yeah, I think sometimes that the subjectiveness of feedback can be overlooked a little bit, especially when you have kind of, for me, like, I feel like just because sometimes I'm the older player in sports, I've been playing for longer. Sometimes I'm thinking like, oh, they should do it like that instead of doing it like this. Um, But that's definitely very helpful for me in terms of how I should be interacting with some of the younger girls on my teams, how I should be interacting with other like young students at my school and how I could be like most helpful to them and also most helpful to myself in terms of kind of learning from other people with different experiences. And I kind of have one last question for you. Um, Just kind of general advice that you would have given to yourself at the beginning of your career, maybe the biggest area of growth that you've had to work on and kind of what you would tell yourself starting back at the beginning of your career. Yeah, I would say, you know, if I could talk to my younger self, I would say, be kind to yourself. You know, Um, I, I, in, in all the coaching that I've done with other individuals and just my own lived experience, we are hard on ourselves. Mm-hmm. We have yardsticks and expectations of ourselves that quite honestly, oftentimes are unrealistic. But because we are so driven and because we are determined, it is oftentimes we meet some of those uh, expectations. And so because we've had, you know, uh, experiences with success, I had a very successful, you know, Um, athletic career, um, you know, and it it set a bar for me in my whole life where I'm like, success is winning. Success, because I tasted it so early uh, in sports. And so I would go back to my younger self and say, be kind to yourself. Um, Watch the internal narrative. Watch the things that you say to yourself. It matters. And while I figured it out along the way, if I would have had that sooner, and could, could use my positive affirmations and be able to not judge my perceived failure as a, as a negative attribute, but more as a learning opportunity for me to use as a stepping stone. I would, I would be much further than I am today um, if I were able to give myself permission to just be um, and to not judge myself as harshly as I did. Uh, that's what I would say to myself is, girl, you're going to be just fine. You're doing amazing. And I would put more of those positive affirmations in as much as I could. Well, that's very good advice. And I'm sure that many of the people who would have been in your shoes back then are really going to appreciate hearing something like that. Well, that's all that I have for you. Anything last minute that you want to add? I mean, you've already taught me so much in just kind of this span of like 20 minutes, but anything else you feel like you really want to get in? Um, no, just, you know, it is really amazing to see a young person dive in and have some of these amazing conversations. Um, I know your mom is incredibly proud of you, but as, as a colleague and as a fellow athlete Mm -hmm. and knowing that the responsibilities of being a student athlete and being a captain of a team, what that, that calls for, uh, and, but I have not had to do that. 
in 2020 and 2021 like you. Yeah. Just hats off to you. Um, I'm proud of you and the work that you're doing. Uh, and I look forward to hearing about all the great successes that follow you uh, based on all of the hard work you've been doing over the course of your life. So proud of you and congratulations. Thank you so, so much. It was so nice talking with you. Another special thanks to Dr. Shanita Williams for such a fabulous interview. For anyone who wants to learn a little bit more about her work, she has a TED Talk and a couple different articles such as How to Handle Criticism, Building Feedback Muscle, or Feedback. It's not personal, but it is. So thank you guys for tuning in today and coming to Listen with Leah.